verses 34 through 40. Please hear them as written in the um, the Bible. <laughs> Common English Bible. Alright guys. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All of the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us speak to God. Thank you so much, Sue. Friends, please pray with me and for me. Holy Spirit, Redeemer, Sanctifier, Bringer of Hope, we have come to worship you today. So may my words point us to be worshipers of you that can lead us to love you all the more and to love our neighbors just as much. Amen. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your being. And you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. That and sure complicates our lives. Sometimes it's hard to love people and easy to love God. People hurt you, but you can rest in the assurance of God's love. And then there are times when we have loved people well and everything has still gone to crap and we feel let down by God. It's hard to love God when it can appear that God has disappointed us. Yet Jesus makes it abundantly clear with that pesky and that our spiritual lives are completely dependent on living deeply into both of these truths. Love God love neighbor. And these are calls to worship, what we do inside the walls here, and also a call to service, what we do outside our walls. We can't fully love God without being in community with God's people. And we can't fully love our neighbors by just staying inside our walls. If God is only our focus for 60 minutes on a morning, that's a problem. And it's also a problem if we can't give God 60 minutes on a Sunday or whatever time or day of the week that you may worship. 
Worship isn't just limited to a service on Sunday mornings. You can worship God individually wherever you find yourself each and every day. And at the same time, that type of worship is incomplete. We can't expect to become all of whom God created us to be if our worship is just a private event. Because God has designed us, God has embedded in this need for community where we need a corporate gathering of some form. Friends, to make it quite simple, your presence here matters. Your presence matters. And if you're a member of United Methodist Church, you say you'll support the church with your prayers, presence, gifts, witness, and servants. You truly matter. And just as much as your presence here matters, so does your presence outside the walls. Your presence in your neighborhood matters too. In this both and worship series we're doing, I'm providing a short principle for each topic that we talk about each week. Last week's principles were that evangelism makes our faith effective and justice makes it legit. Evangelism makes our faith effective Injustice makes it legit. If we don't find our personal way to practice evangelism, because evangelism is a personal style, we don't all have to become Billy Graham, as great as he is, or was. But if we don't practice our personal way of evangelism, we shouldn't be surprised when people don't come. And if we don't practice justice, we shouldn't be surprised if people don't stay. So this week, we are looking at worship and service. And our principles for this week are worship grows our spiritual roots and service grows our spiritual wings. Worship grows our spiritual roots and service grows our spiritual wings. Worship is where we are nurtured in the soil of God. And service is how our roots bloom into a way of life that nurtures others. We come to worship to show our love for God. And we go into service to show our love for neighbor. Church cannot be just kept inside these walls. And yet at the same time, when we go outside the walls, we cannot really be the church there without learning about God inside the walls. John Wesley, our Methodist movement's founder, um, called the integration of worship and service social holiness. Um, that's a term that Wesley used that basically means you don't exist in isolation from others. It's not just you and Jesus. As much as we need that personal connection, which we do, there's also more to the spiritual life than just us individually and Jesus. 
This is what Wesley writes, that holy solitaries, meaning people trying to be holy alone, we can't do it just individually disconnected from others. Holy solitaries is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. The gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. Wesley got pretty intense. Here's um, the good news of what he's telling us. Worship and service remind us that we are not alone. Worship and service remind us that we are not alone and that the world isn't as much about us as we sometimes think it should be. When we worship and when we serve, we do it communally, together. When that brings us into a world that is bigger than us individually. Social holiness means that we have built a presence inside of each other's lives, that we are in some sense a new family, sometimes a bit of a dysfunctional family, but a family, and what family isn't a little dysfunctional at least. And social holiness also means that we build a presence and we live in proximity to serve our neighbors outside the church. That means we're building relationships with our neighbors within the communities where we live, where God has placed us. And we have to be willing to get our hands dirty with them. Neither worship nor service are just solo adventures. They are a gift from God that releases us from just our own private individual affairs where we always place ourselves at the center because that's just human nature. And we're invited into something bigger, something a little more life-giving, something where we're not alone, something where we're connected as God has created us to be. And at the same time, as important as it is just to do these two practices of worship and service, we also need to be aware of how we practice worship and service. There are traps within both of these practices. They can become ways where we are actually serving ourselves instead of God and instead of our neighbors. In worship, we can just become stuck over time, going through the motions, doing things according to our preferences, what's comfortable for us. And in service, we can become stuck where we are serving people the way we think they need to be served, doing things the way we have always done it without asking our neighbors if that's what they actually need. Here's an example of what I mean. Every year at one of my previous churches, a very devoted and caring member gave stuffed animals to a local police department to hand out to children. 
Well, eventually we found out that all those stuffed animals were just being placed in some back closet. It's not what our neighbors needed, even though it sure made us feel good. And sometimes with worship, we have to ask ourselves whether what we do in worship, including what I do, makes a lick of sense to those outside our walls. I'm not saying we don't take time to teach people what we mean and why we do what we do. I'm saying we don't speak. We don't worship in a way that makes God inaccessible to the common person. The original Methodist movement reached common folk, the blue collar, lunch pail type of people who wouldn't be welcomed in a normal, pro allegedly proper church. And it meant them where they were at. Didn't ask them to come and, you know, dress up like the church folks should allegedly be. Our worship, worship of the true living, breathing, present, alive God, that type of worship should change us. And it should change us in a way that makes us want others to have that same experience. But friends, here's the thing. We have to realize that others aren't going to have that same experience in worship if we speak in ways that are inaccessible to them. We can't expect others to hear the message of Christ's redeeming, restorative, hope-filled love and grace the same way we heard it 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, maybe even five years ago. And it's right there in our Bible if we look at it. Acts 2, our Pentecost story that we read every year. One of the greatest, most powerful stories in Scripture. The Pentecost story where people heard the message of Christ in their own language. In other words, they heard it in ways that were accessible to them. It spoke at their level. Worshiping in grace and truth. It means that sometimes we have to be willing to change our methods. So our message, Christ's message of hope, love, redemption, restoration, healing, hope, that, so that that message can be heard in fresh and new ways. Because worship is for us, but it's not about us. It's an experience that transcends each of us, that goes beyond each of us individually. In worship, should be building a bridge to our community so that they can experience what we have. When I thought um, this past week about why it's called a church service, um, usually I prefer calling it worship, but a church service is that it's not just an act of service to those here, but it's a service to those outside our walls. 
so that our community, the place where God has placed us in with the people who God has placed us near, can experience what we have come to see. But our community can't get on that bridge if there are a bunch of obstacles and blockades that keep them from getting on. As important as each of our individual presences are, and they are important. I mean, sometimes I get it, you wake up and you don't feel like going to church, come anyway. Sometimes that's when we need to come the most. And at the same time, when we show up, we have to pause. And remember that we're not just coming here because it's what we've done every Sunday for however long. You have to pause. Remember that God, a God who is still speaking, has come to meet us in worship. That's not a go through the motions type of experience. I'm not gonna claim that God is gonna change your life, rock your world every Sunday, but I am saying that we should come with an expectation that God is present, God is here, and God is still speaking. The church is not a museum, friends. I like museums. Since getting married, I've gone to a lot more of them than I used to. My wife has helped me become more sophisticated. Sort of. <laughs> but when we come to worship, we're not remembering something in the past. We're taking a past story our scriptures, and showing how it is still alive in the present. We need our worship to be an experience, an experience where we believe that the living God is among us. That's not just to go through the motions type of thing. That's not just the type of we do things just because we do them this way type of thing. If we want to build that bridge into our community through worship, we need experiences that go beyond our personal preferences. Our worship is a service to the community. Our worship should be removing the walls that people have to God. And in order to remove those walls, Sometimes we need to speak and worship in ways that are accessible to them, that meet people where they are at instead of where we think they should be at. And that's why we have to serve in new ways too. Now, that doesn't mean we're gonna recreate the world because guess what, humanity's needs have always been the same since Jesus. Food, water, clothing, shelter. The church is called to help with those as best we can but we should also do them in ways that make sure we're dignifying other people. And at the same time, that can perhaps engage them in worship. And that's why we have talked about, starting to talk about, that movement called Dinner Church, where we are engaging, bringing together worship and service.
because sometimes throughout the church history, not our church, but the church, even with great intentions, the church's service has been condescending for a lot of people. Because we see ourselves as the people who have come to save or fix the others. That's not service, not Jesus' view of it at least. Service is the call to see the image of God in others, the sacred worth, walk alongside them in ways that they need, not just the ways that we think they need. Allowing people to state their need is sometimes the most dignifying thing we can do. And friends, believe it or not, most of the time our neighbors know their needs better than we do. Service calls us to fill in the gaps, whatever that gap may be in the place where God has placed us, to be a repairer of the breach, like it says in Isaiah, and to be that in our neighborhoods. And friends, when we do that, there's this remarkable and beautiful thing that God does. Worship and service break the divide of any walls or any division we have created in our world. Brace yourselves. You can worship and serve next to somebody who voted differently from you. You can worship and serve next to somebody who lives on the other side of the tracks. Because worship and service bring us all to the foot of the cross where God becomes a wrecking ball that destroys anything that we have created to keep us from each other. Worship and service reorient our hearts and align it with God. When we're told to love God with all our heart, mind, and strength, we're giving our whole selves over to God. We worship God with our whole person. And yes, that means our bodies through service. Now, not all of us, not all of you can serve physically the way you used to. But you can still read with a kid. You can still listen to somebody. You can be a confidant. And that matters. Probably more than any of us will ever know. Friends, we meet God in worship. And we see God in others through service. And others can see God through us in service. And when we enter into both of these practices, others take notice. It might take a little bit longer than we think, but they take notice. And over time, they might just want to join in that worship and service too. Thanks be to God. Amen.